Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests on the Goodyear Hotline, history rewritten right before our eyes. A player's legacy elevated while questions cannot be ignored. Meanwhile, a baseball spat and it's sticky. How today is the first day of the rest of our sporting lives, mostly for the better. All that and a whole lot more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. What is it about this team that you said, I want Phoenix? It was a lot of things, but the big reason was the light-skinned guy right here, number one, Devin Booker. You know, when we channel our energy the right way, we can make big things happen like tonight. Congratulations, Christopher Emmanuel Paul, point God, and finally, a finalist in the NBA's postseason tournament. There is something very nice about this, an all-time great at age 36 after so many near misses getting his chance. Just think about the recent history of Paul. Think about his Houston tenure and how close they came and how tantalizingly frustrating it was. Before that, of course, was the Clippers. And then two weeks ago, this guy got COVID. And in a world where most of us feel as though if we are fully vaccinated, we're safe from that. Chris Paul had COVID two weeks ago and missed the first two games of this series, but worked his way back and put together a masterpiece last night in what was more a coronation than a competition for Chris Paul to finally make it at the age of 36 to the NBA Finals. We'll make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. At the age of 36, he is a fascinating player historically. If you want to make a case that he is a top-five point guard all time, even without a title, you could easily defend it. Here are little bits and pieces of the case. He averages 9.3 assists a game for his career. Only Magic Johnson, John Stockton, and Oscar Robertson are higher. He has the highest career player efficiency rating of any point guard ever. For those of you who follow advanced stats, PER, player efficiency rating, 24.9, highest of any point guard in the history of the game. He plays both ends of the floor. He's been named all defense nine times. That is tied for the most ever by a point guard with Jason Kidd and Gary the Glove Payton. In his first season with a new team, five different instances. So the five times he has gone to a new team, be it when he was drafted and then the four new teams he has joined. In each of those instances, that team has improved its year-over-year record all five times. To be clear, the Suns had the worst record in the West over the previous two seasons. They're in the NBA Finals. I know their road was complicated, and we'll get to that, but let's not let that be the first thing we say. Let's let the first thing we do is offer our congratulations to Chris Paul. He's six foot nothing, so the comps are not magic And they're not Jason Kidd. They are Isaiah, Steve Nash, Allen Iverson, that group. To me, he's as good as any of them, historically. He's not the scorer AI was. He's not the winner Isaiah was. But I think he's as good a player. I think he's as good a player as Allen Iverson. I think he's as good a player as Steve Nash. I think he's as good a player as Isaiah Thomas. So that is the company that he keeps right there with all the all-time great. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. So let me very quickly get some thoughts. I want to welcome Hembo back here. Hembo has been on vacation for the last few days. Like most normal people, he takes his vacation either at the beginning or the end of the week, not the (laughs) Bubba special, the TWT. What is the right thing to say about Chris Paul today as he finally leads his team to an NBA Finals? Chris Paul is, like you said, among the five or six best point guards in NBA history, and that should have been the case 
whether or not he won yesterday's game or advanced to an NBA Finals or didn't. That's just the way that it goes. But unfortunately, with the way that we do things, players have to be judged by that standard. And thus, this obviously helps him get over the ledge. And hopefully, or at least in his case, the Phoenix Suns find a way to win four more games. I think he becomes an immortal. I think it's that simple. Okay, that's the thing. I think that's right. Because in the NBA, this is part of it. Right? Whether it's right or wrong, this is part of it. Winning games at this time of year is part of it. You cannot be an immortal if you were great in the regular season. Now, I'm the one who always sits here and yells and screams about the importance of the regular season, but even I have to acknowledge you cannot become an immortal without playing big and winning big at this time of the year. So I think it is reasonable to say that while Chris Paul already ranks, his accomplishments already make him a first ballot Hall of Famer and one of the greats of all time, a ring does change things. Hashtag Nuno, you're next. Does a ring change the legacy of Chris Paul, yes or no? For me, yes, because I've always been one of these guys that felt he is slightly overrated because hmm. he hasn't done it on this on this stage. So if he wins a ring, I can start, you know, now I can start talking about, we can start talking about he's a top five point guard. Okay, fair enough. So I like that, and I think we're all in agreement on that. And I am happy for him. I'm happy for all our friends in Phoenix. I was there in 93 for every game of those finals. The last time they were there, we'll never forget it. I have some stories on that a little later in the show. But we have to address the elephant in the room. Here's the reality. Until Anthony Davis got hurt, the Lakers were clearly going to beat this team in the first round. Then he went down, and that was that. They beat the Lakers without AD. They beat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. They needed six games to beat the Clippers without their best player, Kawhi Leonard. So what is a fair and reasonable way to factor that in? That's really my question today. What is a fair, especially since they may be staring at playing Milwaukee without Giannis in the finals? Now, the news on Giannis yesterday was as good as you could have hoped. There's no structural damage, no ligaments. He's not going to play tonight, I don't think. But there is, I think, a chance at least that he comes back and plays in the finals if the Bucs get there. But one way or another, I mean, is there any person alive who doesn't think that the Clippers win that series if Kawhi Leonard plays? Is there any person alive that couldn't see with your own eyes that Anthony Davis and the Lakers were going to beat them? They won game three of that series by 14 points to take a 2-1 series lead. Anthony Davis scored 68 points in games two and three. Then he went down with a groin, and that was all she wrote. So I want to be fair and reasonable. I don't want to rain in anybody's parade. They have every right to celebrate. I brought this up to Brian Windhorst yesterday. He just about lost his mind. When you win a championship, it means never saying you're sorry. It is so hard to win. And I know it's not hard like inventing a cancer drug or, you know, you know, digging the, 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 you know, the, the Panama Canal. I understand his perspective. We're talking about sports. But in terms of the, of the accomplishments in the game, it is the toughest thing you can possibly do. And so if you're able to hold that trophy at the end, no matter what you had to do to get it, you are champion. And you should never say sorry to anybody for it. All right. I think that – so I loved the passion from Wendy yesterday. As I told him immediately, fired up Wendy became my favorite Wendy yesterday. And I agree with that. You certainly don't apologize for it. You play the schedule that you get. You play the teams that are there. They didn't hurt Anthony Davis. They didn't hurt Kawhi Leonard. They didn't hurt Jamal Murray. They, they have nothing to apologize for. I agree that with that. But they are not the ones who get to write the history of this. They, they are not the ones who get to frame this. We are. All of us. Because in our own minds, we get to decide exactly what it means. So, Nudo, 
What is a fair and reasonable way to assess this championship if they win it, considering the players that fell by the wayside before they got there? I think the bigger storyline for the Suns will be, especially for someone like Chris Paul, will be if they don't win it based upon what, you know, facing the Hawks or the Bucks possibly without, uh, you know, Giannis. I think that would be the bigger the bigger conversation than them winning. It would be like, we'll live in that that moment of, hey, Chris Paul finally got his first one, but don't lose this next series. What do you think, Emba? What is the fair way to assess the absence of, Again, we're talking about Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard. We're talking about two top five players in the league that otherwise we're going to, I, I think, well, I mean, obviously I can't prove this, but I certainly always will believe they would have beaten them. So do I. Tainted is the wrong word, though, because if that's, if that's a word we're going, to, we're going to use, most every recent champion has a tainted past. The 2019 Raptors probably don't beat the Warriors if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt. Right. The 2018 Warriors may not have gotten past the Rockets in the conference finals had Chris Paul not gotten hurt. Right. 2016 Cavaliers were lucky enough for Draymond Green to have been suspended for kicking someone in the groin. Yeah, yeah. And the year before, and the ding ding. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the year before, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were unavailable for the finals, and the Warriors won. Who knows how that... So this is... Uh, in the NBA, it's a war of attrition seemingly every year, so we can mention it. It's part of the context, but it does not taint anything in my opinion. I think that is a very fair and reasonable way to look at it. We try as hard as we can to be fair and reasonable here. I think that was both. I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. We're going to get Eddie Johnson in here. Eddie Johnson, many of you who listen to NBA Radio on Sirius XM, you hear him. He's a host there. He does the Suns games as well. He, of course, was a terrific player for the Suns. And so we will get his perspective on them going back to the finals for the first time in 93. I've got a bunch of stories about that as well. Hembo's got a green light today. It's about a sticky spat and the stinky Yankees. we got a lot to do. We're just getting started. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests, like Eddie Johnson, live in 30 seconds on the Goodyear Hotline, had a long, terrific NBA career. You hear him on Sirius XM Radio now doing the NBA coverage, and he is a part of the TV coverage for the Phoenix Suns games, and they've made the finals for the first time in almost 30 years. So we'll talk to him in 30 seconds after this word from Zip Recruiter. If you were a business owner who's hiring, it can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. But when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So while other companies give you too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. 
That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And with that, it's my delight to welcome Eddie Johnson to ESPN Radio. Good morning, Eddie Johnson. Good morning, Mike. You hardest working man in uh, radio and TV. Right. Just trying to keep do up you, with you. Do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm, I'm busy watching this team play, and as you are, and it's a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you about it. And again, you cover the sport in its entirety for SiriusXM, and then you're particularly close to the Suns doing their game. So you were just the perfect person to talk about today. I, I want to go backwards to begin. The Suns were not a good team. And then, of course, the pandemic mm-hmm. tragically happens, and they go to the, the bubble, and that really feels like where it started. They went 8-0 in the bubble, and it wasn't good enough to get them in the playoffs. But it left an impression on people. And then, of course, they get Chris Paul, and the rest is history. How did you see this team turn it around? You, you're exactly correct. Uh, it started back then. Uh, the, the late, great Cotton Fitzsimmons uh, on teams way back in the day when I was playing in Kansas City, he used to always tell us, he said, the way you finish the season, believe it or not, will lead into the next season. And it was hard to really grasp that because you get four or five months off because you didn't make the playoff. But lo and behold, he was correct. Uh, and I think that's the mentality that Monty Williams instilled in this team. Uh, they went to the bubble. They played very well. They were undefeated. Uh, had a chance to work their way back into the playoff. Didn't happen. But these guys went home in the offseason feeling really good about themselves and their season and the way that they finished. And they worked hard on their game. And then, obviously, with the addition of, of Chris Paul, it just took them to a crazy level. Even if Chris Paul hadn't signed with them, I think I would have still picked the Suns to make the playoff, maybe seventh or eighth seed uh, this year. But Chris Paul elevated them to the second-best record in the league, Mike, and you can argue they were the best team because they beat Utah in the series this season. They had the best interconference record, and they had the best road record in the league. So uh, they've had a tremendous run, and I know people are surprised that they're there. But based on the consistency that they have shown all year, uh, I think they deserve to be there. Absolutely. And, and so then let's talk about Chris Paul. I, I hear people telling me all the time about his leadership, um, but I don't get to see it up close and personal, and you have here at least to some degree. G- give us a, a, an example of, of how you've seen his leadership um, manifest itself in this team and this run. Yeah, I think some people, they, they perceive leadership as a guy that's always nice and a guy that, you know, he's just lovable. No. Uh, a leader is a guy that steps out the box, that is not afraid to get in your face. Say things to you that could hurt your feelings. We, we live right now in a world with, you know, with, with how things are now of, of yes is always the answer. That's not true. I mean, these young people, they hear yes too much. Uh, they need to hear some no's. And Chris Paul does that. He, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't have a filter. And he's unafraid. And, and that's leadership. And that's what he did with this team. I mean, he got in the face of Devin Booker at times this year. He rode DeAndre Hayton extremely hard, Mikael Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder. I mean, it was no one that he did not have a run-in with, even probably Monty Williams. Uh, And that's what leaders do. And for the first time in his career at a high level, I thought we saw a snippet of it in Oklahoma City, but at a high level this year, the players listened to him. They listened to him. They rolled with him. They said, okay, we're going to grab onto this, and we're going to see how it works out. And for the first time in his career, he finally got that response. 
He didn't get that response with a young team in L.A. and DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. They pushed back on him. Uh, you know, James Harden pushed back on him. It's kind of funny. All three of those guys are in Brooklyn right now watching him in the finals. (laughs) Eddie Johnson is with us. You hear him weekday afternoons all year long on Sirius XM NBA radio, and he's with us on the Goodyear hotline helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. Uh, You mentioned two of the players I'm really interested in. Devin Booker. I mean, here's a guy who wasn't even a starter at Kentucky his one year there, and he played on one of the great college teams in recent memory and he has really emerged as as a true superstar and a great option this year can you take us through that give us what you've seen from Devin Booker and the strides he's taken this season he's an amazing kid with an old soul Hmm. uh and he's been like that ever since he came to this team at a tender age of 18 19 years old uh it's something about him and you have to give credit to his dad Melvin for, for really working working with him and, and, and giving him that old-school mentality, that he has a respect level for the game and for people that were in the game or around the game. When they talk to him, he gives you his eyes. He soaks everything in. He'll have response questions because he wanted to get better. And it's growing into that. I remember one day a few years ago, uh, a week before he scored 70 against Boston, mm-hmm. he sat down next to me in Mexico after he broke one of the records I had for points in the quarter for the Suns. And I said, you'll never get my record of 43 and a half. Mm-hmm. And Tom Chambers got 60 in the game. He stood up and looked at me, and he called me jump shot. He said, jump shot, watch. Two weeks later, he broke both of our records in the same game. <laughs> Uh, that just epitomizes this dude. He doesn't give up. He got popped in his nose so much in this series. He took the mask off. He wasn't afraid to get hit again. He's not afraid to fail. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he was always there for a big shot here or there when they needed it. And most importantly, he was not afraid to take a step back to Chris Paul and allow him to be legendary last night. Uh, that's the beautiful part of this team. And Devin is one of their leaders at 24 years old, which is unique for any young player in the league. That's a great story. I love it. The other one I want to ask you about is Aiton. <clears throat> you know, I was looking back this morning over the draft of 2018, and, and that, I think, to this point, has always been known as the draft in which Luca and Trey Young went and was at the right move, the wrong move, the trade for each other, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes we forget to even mention the number one pick in that draft, was DeAndre Ayton. And now here he is, to yes. your point, he's still standing. He seems to be really Im- improving and emerging as a dominant big. What are you seeing in him, and what can he become? Yeah, you know, look, uh, Luca obviously took the lead in the race in that draft class, right, with, with Ayton, uh, Trey Young. Uh, Marvin Bagley hasn't been healthy, so it's hard to make a judgment on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luca took the lead. And Aiden being the number one pick, you know, that, that's a lot of negativity. In the history of this game, people remember the number one picks and if they live up to expectation. And I would tell people all along, I'm like, it's unfair because Luca has the ball. He can control his environment, whereas DeAndre has to depend on people. And sometimes it's difficult for big guys to really get going in the league right away. But the one thing that stood out in regards to his growth, he's a double-double machine. He was at least giving you what a big man should do. 
And then the other stuff has started to catch up, catching the ball in traffic, uh, being very aggressive at the rim, defensively being a problem. Uh, All of those things start to pick up with the addition of Chris Paul because Chris was in his ear constantly. Monty Williams in his ear constantly. James Jones, who's a champion in this league, constantly in his ear. And DeAndre initially maybe started to fight it a little bit, but then he started to listen. And he has arguably been their best player on a consistent basis in this playoff run. And and so it's been amazing to see his growth. He's 22 years old. Uh, the world is at his fingertips. It, it truly is. The kid has everything. And and he is one of the major reasons why this team right now is headed to the finals. Eddie Johnson is with me here on ESPN Radio. Again, you hear him every afternoon on Sirius XM NBA Radio, and he does Phoenix TV. He does Suns TV there. I want to ask you one more thing, and I know this will probably be something of a sore subject in Phoenix, um, but but what cannot be ignored is that their playoff path this year, the Suns, they, they beat the Lakers after Anthony Davis got hurt. They played a, a Denver team that didn't have Jamal mm-hmm. Murray, and now they beat a Clippers team that didn't have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the question I ask today right. is, what, what is a fair and reasonable way to take that into account as you assess their accomplishment? Well, obviously, you know, in the history of this game, you can really find a lot of situations where teams had taken advantage of a team that was injured, right? Most recently, you know, a number of years ago when LeBron lost, Kevin Love and Kyrie, mm-hmm. uh, they might have won two in a row because they won the next year. Uh, and then when Golden State lost to Toronto, uh, you know, and losing Kevin Durant and then Klay Thompson. So it just happens. And, and, and Golden State went on runs in their title years where they were fortunate. Mike Conley goes down with Memphis. Uh, Chris Paul goes down. So it, it just happens. And I, I think you don't too much focus on it. I, what I tell people is, even before the season started, who would have thought that the Suns would be in the finals? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they hadn't made the playoffs, Mike, in 10 years. So, yeah, you can bring up the injury part, but they haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. They've gone from not making the playoffs to being in the finals. And even though they faced teams that had injuries, were they still supposed to win like this? Were they still supposed to beat the Lakers 4-2? Were they supposed to sweep the MVP-led Denver Nuggets, although they had injuries, but their MVP was there, or beat a Clipper team, uh, you know, and go to their floor and beat them twice. I mean, they have shown all year that even if those teams had been healthy, that I felt that they would have still gotten out. I thought the Lakers and the Suns' first-round series was the winner of the Western Conference. Mm. I said it before it started, and it's turned out that way. Eddie, this has really been a delight. Thank you so very much for getting up early here and making the time for us, and we look forward to seeing you as the Suns begin this thing next week against either Milwaukee or Atlanta. Thanks a million for the time. Always. I watch you every morning. I love what you do. Uh, So it's always good to watch you because I can learn. That's what I'm trying to do. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you very much, Eddie Johnson. I appreciate it. On Twitter, at JumpShot8, Eddie Johnson, long, terrific career, played for Phoenix, wasn't on that team in 93. That wound up in the final, um, but but I, it's funny. I, I was just looking over his career. I remember him as a son. That that's really what I remember him the most at. He played for half the teams in the league, but but that's really where I remember him the most was on those Suns teams in the late '80s. Anyway, that that is the NBA story today. It is the overwhelming story, but it's not the only thing we have. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio next. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, Green light. with Greeny. Yeah. 
All right, we've got a lot of baseball stuff to unpack today. I'm going to start by giving the green light to Hembo because we have talked a lot about the New York Yankees this year. I had Dibble on with me yesterday, Hembo, mm-hmm. while you were away. And before this season began, we told everybody the Yankees were a prohibitive favorite, as much so as any team we could remember. And in what has been a very disappointing season in which their general manager just said, quote, we suck the other day, last night has to be the low point. For anyone who didn't see it, the Yankees gave up seven runs in the ninth inning to lose a, and it was just a miserable two-hour rain delay, just every single way that, that a game can be miserable, that's what it was for the Yankees. So as we take their temperature on the 1st of July, what does it show? I'd like to, to contextualize, Greeny, just how rare that loss was for the Yankees last night and how miserable today must be for their fans. They had won 820 straight games when leading by at least four runs in the ninth inning. They did yesterday, and they lost. It was only the third instance in baseball's modern era of a team scoring at least seven runs in the first inning, which the Yankees did, and then allowing seven runs in the ninth inning. That had not happened since 1913. And lastly, their closer, Aroldis Chapman, had never allowed a home run in his career on a slider to a left-handed hitter before allowing a grand slam that tied it at eight apiece yesterday. It was, the, I think, amongst the, amongst the bevy of disappointing games for the Yankees this season. If you're waking up this morning, especially if you stayed up five hours yeah. to watch that thing in last night, yeah. you're more miserable today than ever before. Stevie and his friends went to that game. What I don't know because I haven't talked to him yet today, is whether they stayed through the rain delay. Oh, we don't know? I don't know the answer to that yet. <laughs> I'll find out. I'll text him here during a break, and, and I'll find out if they sat there for all of that. But he and his buddies went to that game last night. So what do we say of them? I mean, I talked a little bit yesterday, Hembo, about, about Cashman's very strong critique of his own team. And, and look, it's an accurate assessment of what's going on. Um, but then, and then, you know, actually at one point last night I checked the phone and they'd won a game and then last night they were up seven to, was it seven to two? They scored seven runs in the first inning right. against Shohei Otani and knocked him out after. Correct. They knocked out Otani in one inning. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe Cashman's speech kind of lit a little bit of a fire mm-hmm. under them and then for that to happen the rest oh, of the night. What goodness. do we say today? What do we say of them? They're just not any good. And the, and the bullpen, which was for the longest time this season, one of their biggest strengths, or all this Chapman has been awful this month who... I mean, that's really been like the, the rock of this team. So at some point, you need to have something that you can fall back on, something that you can depend on. It's an inconsistent lineup. It's a starting rotation that's been inconsistent. If you're not going to be able to preserve four run leads in the ninth inning, there's really no redeeming quality. They're halfway through the season with an essentially even run differential. Maybe the, the likeliest explanation is what Brian Cashman said. They just think. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, you cleaned that up. I, I, feel, I feel licensed to say it if he says it, <laughs> but one way or another. <laughs> quote. So, so that's that. We'll, we'll talk more about that game and them a little bit later here. But I, I wanted to get, you mentioned to me that two of the top four run scoring days of the entire season have come in the last three days. Last three days. So that suggests that maybe this crackdown on the sticky substances is having some impact. I think it, yes, I do too. Now, again, two days, two isolated days is a small sample size, but... We're seeing a general uptick in offense as we see a general decrease in spin rate. We knew that was going to happen. We know that's not coincidental. I would not be at all surprised if we continue to see an upward trend through the month of July and all of a sudden baseball in the summer months looks a lot more recognizable to us merely by baseball choosing to crack down on this stuff, which is obviously what the desired outcome was. Bravo to Major League Baseball and and, and the the, uh, commissioner's office for making this happen midseason. It was kind of messy. But, like, look, I mean, the, the data is very clear. This thing is working, and it's having the exact effect that Rob Manfred wanted. Well, so it got really messy last night. Mm. We found ourselves, if you will, in a sticky 
situation. So let me set this up for you. Josh Donaldson, who is one of the more um, outspoken players in the sport, hit a home run off Chicago's Lucas Giolito. And rounding the bases, he yelled, not sticky anymore, and made a gesture with his hands. Giolito didn't like it. He said this. He's a pest. Uh, You know, that's kind of a classless move. If you're going to talk, talk to my face. So he said that, to which Josh Donaldson responded by saying this. Let's go look at his numbers. What do the numbers say, right? And what do we know about the sticky substance? What does it do? What does it help with? It helps with RPMs. It helps with spin rate. Well, guess what? Mr. Giolito, your fastball spin rate's down 200. Your curveball spin rate's down four, 500. Your slider's down 200. So look, if we're going to talk about class, are we going to, are we, what side are you going to choose? Are you, are you going to speak, uh, take the side of someone who's playing the game fair? Or are you going to take the side of somebody that was probably cheating before this happened? Okay, so mm. I'm here for every word of this. <laughs> Hambo, what does it mean? So uh, I'm here for it too. This is exactly what baseball needs. And, and a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about some of the unintended consequences of baseball doing this, this is one of the things that we mentioned. We just don't, didn't know exactly how how it was going to manifest. But look, Josh Donaldson, like him or not, he is exactly right. Lucas Giolito was a like top-of-the-line, first-tier pitching prospect at one point who totally busted, total flame-out. And then all of a sudden, he became this sort of superstar out of nowhere. He threw a no-hitter earlier this season, mm-hmm. and he did so in large part because he was able to spike his spin rates. No longer. Josh Donaldson, I love it. He's willing to say the quiet part out loud because there's 100 position players across baseball who have been thinking the exact same thing, and Josh Donaldson is not afraid to say it. Bravo, Josh Donaldson. You know, it's fascinating to me because this whole thing, the more I look at it, and I'm not one who was paying close attention to the sticky stuff before it came to the fore like it did a couple of weeks ago. But this, these were all all open secrets. Like right. every guy on every team knew which of his own pitchers mm-hmm. were doing it. And the fact that they never brought this to the fore before is fascinating. I guess that, well, our guys are cheating as well as your guys, so we're just going to let it be. But in the meantime, every offensive player was suffering for it. The more I think about it, the more I cannot believe someone like Josh Donaldson never said this out loud much louder before. Yeah, it took, it took baseball way too long to come out to get ahead of this. I think it was so prevalent that it just become it just became like an unwritten rule. Like we're just not going to say this out loud because it's helping our guys just as much as it's helping your guys. The interesting thing here, I'd imagine so many of the people so interested in this back and forth and whatnot are old school types who hate the advanced stats, who hate the analytics, right? The analytics are, what are enabling us to do this. Without having the RPM, without having the spin rates, without having the stat cast stuff, you're not able to get down to the bottom of this. 20 years ago, if we had exit velocity, the steroid era would have been half as long as it actually was. So this is a case in which technology is actually helping baseball find its form. All right, and so there you have it. That's the green light here. By the way, the Game 5 of the East Conference Finals tonight here on ESPN Radio. Bucks, Hawks, presented by Indeed. Coverage starts 8 Eastern on most of these ESPN Radio stations. Speaking of that... Uh, Something we talked about earlier in the week about Scottie Pippen that I think one important point needs to be made. I will make sure we get to that and more as we roll on. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. (laughs) 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, we roll along here with you on ESPN Radio. A reminder, if you miss anything on the show, we're here two hours with you coast-to-coast on ESPN Radio every day. We want you to hang out the entire time. But if you miss anything, there's two ways to catch up. One is ESPN Plus. We stream live every day, and then the show is there for the rest of the day. You can watch anytime you want, catch up with us. It's also a podcast. Each hour of the show posted individually as their own podcast. They're available anywhere you find your podcast. And the name of the show is Hashtag Greenie. I, I want to address something I said at the beginning of this week. Hembo, you weren't here, but I assume you're more than aware of the stuff that happened with Scottie Pippen on, on Dan Patrick's show. And... Um, I saved it for the very end of my show, whatever day we talked about that. And as a consequence, I kind of ran out of time. And I regretted that. And then yesterday we got busy with a bunch of other stuff. I had meant to go back to it. So I want to just take a moment on that quickly if I can to sort of give you a sense of where I stand for anyone who didn't hear it. It is not for me to comment on Scottie Pippen's allegation that he believes Phil Jackson is a racist. That, that's, that's Scottie's feeling he if he's willing to say it and he obviously believes it and that's that's for him to determine and that's for he and Phil to work out if they have a relationship which I would hope they do I don't know it one way or the other um but that's not for me to comment on but what I did see in that interview that made me very sad was a person in Scotty Pippen who was the second most important person in providing a dynasty in in one of the greatest sporting runs that has ever happened that brought joy to millions and millions of people and that made the lives and careers of so many. I mean, mean, so to go up and down the list, what those teams did, just for the players on them, first of all, for Steve Kerr and Dennis Rodman and any number of guys who became household names who otherwise would absolutely not have been, maybe Rodman in a little different way, And then for lots of other people who were fortunate enough to be around them, just to be in the right place at the right time, and that very much includes me. I was extraordinarily fortunate to show up as a young reporter right at the time that that team became the greatest show that I've ever seen. So I've always felt a very tight personal connection with them. And so it saddened me that it is obvious that Scottie Pippen looks back on those years primarily with bitterness. You could see it. You could see it in his face. You could hear it in his voice. And I find that bordering on tragic to have been a part of something that special and to have been as as integral to it as he was 
and to not look back on it in a joyous way, I, I just, it makes me sad. As Michael, Scotty, Phil, and Jerry Krause are the only people who were there for all six of those championships. And of course, it was all about Michael first and foremost. He's the greatest ever. But Scotty Pippen, I think, feels as though he's remembered more for being Jordan's sidekick than he is for being remembered as a, as a genuinely great all-time player in his own right. And there's a part of me that sort of agrees. I saw Stephen A. Smith refer to him on TV the other day as the most disrespected superstar ever. And there's a part of me that sort of thinks that. Like, I think younger generations of basketball fans, I'll use, you know, my son as an example. He's 18 years old. He knows everything there is to know about Michael Jordan. And he knows Scottie Pippen was a really good player who played with him. Because if you're not old enough to have seen it, then maybe you don't realize it. And maybe history hasn't done a good enough job of telling Scottie's story. And the last dance was Michael's telling of that story. And Michael, and this is, I don't mean this as in disrespect, but Michael is always the hero of his story. <laughs> and he deserves to be. He was the best player ever. And he was the most important reason for all of that. But I think Scotty felt, I had heard through the grapevine, that Scotty was very unhappy with the way he was portrayed in the last dance. And I think that exacerbated a lot of this. And he's got a book coming out this fall. And again, I would say, I think we all better brace ourselves for that not to be real pretty. I think he feels he has a lot of scores he wants to settle. And I think he's going to do it. I don't know that. I haven't seen a copy of it or anything like that. But just sort of reading the tea leaves, that's the sense I get. But then I will say, so I looked up, so ESPN did a list of the top players in history. It came out in 2020, so it's not that long ago, of the greatest players ever, the top 100 players in NBA history. And I thought to myself, where did we put Scotty? I couldn't remember where we put Scotty. And as it turns out, we put Scotty at number 21. I think that's pretty good. Mm. I think that's about right. 21st in the list of all-time greats. You're talking about in the whole history of basketball, we're only saying 20 players were better. I think that is respecting his place in the game's history. We put him ahead, right ahead of Charles Barkley, John Stockton, and David Robinson, who were all on the dream team with him, all right? So that's, that's that original dream team, the 92 dream team. Barkley, John Stockton, David Robinson. We put Scotty ahead of them. I think that's right. I think he deserves to be ahead of them. I think historically, and just with the eye test, I was there. I saw every second of this. I think he was better. He is immediately behind names like Kevin Garnett, Moses Malone, and Jerry West. Now, we could quibble over Scotty versus KG, but overall, what I'm trying to say is I think this is a very fair place to put him. So at least the, the, the authoritative history of this stuff, I think his place is being appreciated. I think that what's happened is in a social media world, which is dominated primarily by younger people who are not old enough to have seen him play, I don't think people give Scotty his due. I don't think people recognize just how great he was and that he was historically much, much better than just the second best player on Michael Jordan's teams. And so I think that's what eats at him to this day. So just to sort of wrap it up here, my overriding feeling watching that interview was one of great sadness that a person who brought so much joy to so many people, literally millions of people, does not remember the experience with fondness, but rather with bitterness. Makes me sad. All right, we'll continue in just a moment. This is Greeny, and you're listening to ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. 
You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.